Have you ever been in a situation where someone has uh, said something that just really was offensive and hurtful to you and, uh, and, 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 and you just had exactly the right comeback that was going to just totally chop their legs out from under them and leave them just figuratively laying bleeding on the floor? Have you ever had that moment and been tempted whenever someone is doing something bad to you and you knew something worse that you could do to them to get them and just zing them really good? Have you ever had that moment? Let's see your hands if you have. Okay, now then, here's the litmus test. If you have been in that situation, how many of you went ahead and did it? Let's see your hands. Oh, thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Now then, again, how many of you had those situations and you chose not to use what you knew would really get them good? Okay. Some of us, it's a mixed bag. Some of us, yes. And maybe you learned from doing that not to do it again. But the thing is, Whenever you knew that you could get the other person and they had it coming and you did not, that is when you're showing mercy. You know, some people get grace and mercy confused. And so let me just go ahead and explain to you the difference between grace and mercy. First of all, uh, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. And so uh, you see, whenever uh, you uh, hear these, you, you, which comes first, grace or mercy? Uh, some people want to say grace. Other people want to say mercy. When it comes to us before God, let's face it, it's mercy. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what we deserve is to be just wiped from the face of this earth and make it a better place. That's what we deserve. And so if God gave us what we deserved, we would be just little ash piles around on the ground, right? Because we don't deserve God's grace. But see, that's what grace is. It's whenever you get what you don't deserve. And so you see, salvation is by grace through faith. But it's only in God's mercy that we can even realize that. He does his work first through mercy. And then he does a wonderful thing through grace. So this is uh, something that we need to know, just kind of couching what Jesus says here when he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And notice that uh, this is an attribute of God. Whenever Moses uh, begged to just see God and God said, You can't see my face and live, but I will pass by you. And you can see my glory after I've gone by. And so as he's hidden Moses in a cleft in a mountain and he passes by, he reveals to the world who he is. 
says the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Merciful and gracious. Those are the first two attributes of God that we see him tell us about himself. Gracious merciful and mercy comes before grace now notice that jesus says here blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy and so this is one of those uh beatitudes that uh you know we've been talking about the fact that there's an attribute that has a consequence not all consequences are bad. And so what we're seeing in the Beatitudes are good consequences for different characters, uh, for, the, for different attributes, as our character is shaped by our relationship with God. You First of all, we saw we must be needy in spirit and we realize we need God. And that's God's mercy, as I said that even brings us to that place. It's only His Holy Spirit tapping us on the shoulder in what uh, we Methodists call prevenient grace. But His prevenient grace comes forth from His mercy. And then we realize we've been on the wrong track and we grieve and we do our best to get on the right track and the next thing that comes up is blessed are the meek. Blessed of those who have realized that God's way is the best way and resolve from now on, I'm going to be yours, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live my life the way that you want to live it. And then those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as we live in God's presence, we love it. We love the consequences of being able to go to sleep at night without worrying about nearly as much stuff without having to remember what lies we told to who so we can keep the other lies going so that uh, we can keep our house of cards standing. We hunger and thirst for staying right with God. It's interesting that it's here that Jesus brings up blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Because you see from, from, from at first, it's kind of like we've gotten a free ride to this point. And now then here, there's something required of us that, 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 that really gets to us and can really, really uh, be a hard thing to do because self has to stay out of the way. You can't be merciful if you are one who has been hurt and you think that you are entitled and you want to get what's due you. You know... Uh, uh, the the uh, in Shakespeare just lines out what mercy is so well in The Merchant of Venice. And I just want to share with you 
Just a little part of Act 4, Scene 1 from The Merchant of Venice, where uh, here is uh, Shakespeare just lining out beautifully mercy and how it works in our lives. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him who gives and him who takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. It is an attribute of God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest God's. When mercy seasons justice, though justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. We do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. Why, all the souls that are were forfeit once, and he who might the vantage have best have took found out the remedy. How would you be if he who is the top of judgment should but judge you as you are? Oh, think on that. And mercy then will breathe within your lips like man new made. And then listen to this last question that he asks as he closes. How shalt thou hope for mercy, rendering none? How shalt thou hope for mercy, rendering none? He's just kind of taken what Jesus said and flipped it just a little bit, hasn't he? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus tells a story that illustrates this so well. It's found in Luke the 10th chapter, the 25th through the 37th verses. If you'd like to read along with me, I'll say those again. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desired to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down to, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him, and guess what the word is here. Let's hear it together. Mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. He's saying that's that's how you keep the law. You have compassion and you don't treat people like they deserve to be treated. You see, the Samaritan was one who had been was despised by Jews. And here is this one who had every right to walk on by and even say, hey, I was doing him a favor by not touching him because he wouldn't want me to have anything to do with him. Do you see? But he had compassion on him. And in spite of his right to move on and in justice, being the persecuted one, if he had moved on, then you see, he would not have practiced mercy. So that's practicing mercy. He says, uh, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. There's a flip side to this. And the flip side is if you don't show mercy, then you get to stay in justice. As we heard Shakespeare say, who really wants to stay there? Jesus tells a story that makes that very clear when he finishes talking about the Lord's Prayer. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we talk about forgive us our, forgive our, uh, let's see, how does it go? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And uh, this passage, it starts off, uh, this is in Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 21st through the 35th verse. Again, Matthew 18, 21 through 35, if you want to follow along. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy but 77 times, I'm sorry, but seven times 70. Actually it says here, but 70 times 77. And so uh, now we'll just look at the significance of these numbers. Peter was thinking, okay, when somebody does something wrong to me, and I'm supposed to forgive them, but seven is the perfect number. It's the complete number. And so I guess that completes the number of times. If you're going to, and so anyway, you can see Peter was looking for that time when, you know, how many many of y'all have ever had somebody that you've forgiven them and they come back and do the same thing again? And then they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that anymore. They come back, they do the same thing again. I'm sure Peter had some people like that in his life. And so he knows there's got to be an end to this stuff. So where do you draw the line? Seven sounds like a good theological place to stop. And so he asked the Lord. And Peter says, no, Peter. But I say seven times, 77 times. So he's saying you take the perfect number, the complete number, and multiply it times that 77. Wow. Infinity times 11 infinities. You know, how much does that come out to? 
And so, but what you really get to, you see, when you stop and think about it, say if you did stop at four, say, say that 490 was the number. Some places it reads 70 times seven. That would be 490 times. Say that somebody has uh, done the same thing to you or done different things to you, all the same vein probably, and uh, say that they're up to 400 and... Uh, 80, and let's see, 400 and, let's see, 489. One more time, and you're thinking, you get to whack them. <laughs> I've, I've kept track. It's been hard, but I've got all my marks here. I've, I've made my list. I've checked it twice. And, from, and now then, I'm coming up on this last time here. And then I'm going to get them good. But... It's whenever that 490th time comes that you finally have the chance, if you're living legalistically, to start exhibiting mercy. Do you see that? Because it's not till you get to the end of your rights and putting your rights first that you can start understanding what mercy really is all about. I take great comfort in knowing that God expects us to be that forgiving, that forbearing, that uh, ready to give another chance. Because I am sure that I have sinned more than 490 times. I am sure that I have tread the very blood of Jesus underfoot so many times. And yet God in his mercy has given me another chance. And for that I am so grateful. Jesus explains this and illustrates what this is really all about in the rest of the passage here. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed, owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. See if these words sound familiar. Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Same words almost that he used with his master, right? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy? There's that word. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus says in his concluding couple of statements, a couple of sentences here. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. These are the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're not to be taken flippantly. And they tie back in to what Jesus is saying when he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Until you get to this point, you see, you haven't really started manifesting God's character. And this is kind of a transition, you see, from what God has done to us and for us and how that manifests itself to the world. One of the attributes of a follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're going to be merciful. You know, mercy has a, you know, being a merciful person and not being a merc- being unmerciful is the flip side of that. As we close up today, I'd just like for you to, to think about this. T.W. Hunt describes the merciful person in this way. He says the merciful person is caring, forgiving, compassionate, gracious, benevolent, forbearing, and charitable. The opposite is an unmerciful person is vindictive, spiteful, unforgiving, unmerciful, vengeful, and malicious. Wow. Don't you feel a lot better when you hear that first list than the second list? But now let's be honest with ourselves in the very presence of God. Which list are you acting out of? When someone hurts you and you have a right to retaliate, when you have a right to get them, how do you respond? Out of which list? Caring, forgiving, compassionate, gracious, benevolent, forbearing and charitable, or vindictive, spiteful, unforgiving, unmerciful, vengeful, or malicious. Where do you fit? Where do you fit? There's a story that I've heard through the years of uh, old Jake the fisherman. And Jake the fisherman always brought in tons of fish when he went out fishing. And the game warden knew he had just a sweet spot somewhere. And he wanted to know where Jake's fishing hole was. And he begged Jake for years to take him to his fishing hole. And finally, one one day, Jake relented. And he said, okay, warden, you want to go with me? You be here at 5.30 in the morning. We're going to go out. And I'm going to take you to my honey hole. And the ward was just so excited. And so the next morning he was there. They headed out and they went a long way out. And they went out to this one spot that was just in the middle of nowhere. And Jake pulled out a uh, wooden box from under his uh, the seat on his boat. And he opened it up and he took out a cigar. And he, he lit the cigar 
Then he reached down in there and he pulled out a stick of dynamite. <laughs> and he uh, lit the stick of dynamite uh, fuse with the cigar. He threw it out there in the water. And fish just floated up everywhere. The warden was beside himself. What are you thinking? What are you doing? And he just just went all up and down both sides of Jake, just chewing him out. Don't you know this is against the law? Yada, 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 yada. And Jake just looks at him and he reaches down. He picks up another stick of dynamite. He lights it. He just rolls it down to the warden's feet. He says, okay, warden, are you going to sit there and talk or are you going to fish? Well, you know, this morning, the Lord has rolled a stick of dynamite right at your feet when it comes to showing mercy. And his question to you as we go forth is, are you going to sit there and talk or are you going to start fishing? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.